Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. I just came back from a Mufti Menkelik show. Yeah, I know how weird does that sound. Oh, wait, wait a second. Assalamu alaikum, guys. Welcome back to a head of the podcast episode. Um, I just feel like I'm just speaking to you, so I just started off like a normal conversation. But then I'm like, wait, Raz, be professional. You're a podcast host. <laughs> I'm being sarcastic. Anyways, I just came back from a Mufti Mink lecture. I know that sounds so weird to say because it's like Mufti Mink is like Dubai, America, Zimbabwe, and then here I am in Sydney, Australia, just casually. Yeah, I just came back from the Mufti Mink lecture. Um, he came to, well, he's in Sydney for a tour. And they um, announced that he's giving a talk at a local masjid. So I went. And I was actually pretty smart because the talk was after Maghrib. And I got there at Asr. I was like, I am securing my spot uh, because I knew it was going to get packed. And so I took my laptop with me and my Quran. So I had to do a bit of work. And then I was going to spend the remaining time doing Quran. Um, I found out some absolutely wonderful news that the reception there is absolutely horrible. So I had to leave um, for my meetings and my work. I uh, do it in the car and then go back. Alhamdulillah, I still got a decent spot. And I just kicked back till Maghrib uh, then started. And there was a really famous, uh, I say famous. I like saying well-known. I won't say famous because, I don't know, it's weird to give. Um, I mean, they are famous, but it, it's just weird to give like Muslim people such, put them on such a pedestal. It's like we appreciate the work that they do. We appreciate their recitation. We we love them for the sake of Allah, for what they do for the Ummah. But I don't know, it just feels a bit how you're going to praise them in such a way. Anyways, there was a um, beautiful sheikh that did the adhan and also that led a nice imam that led the prayer. And then it was Mufti Mank that gave his talk. Um, for legal reasons, I'm going to say that I'm not driving and recording this podcast. Wink. Um, so I'm on my way home. And I thought, once again, I'd like to share my reflections. Um, so inshallah, I will share uh, my thoughts, and this is mostly from my head, because I am not driving. <laughs> um, so the lecture he spoke about, he spoke, he spoke pretty generally. Like yesterday, we I also went to his um, lecture, um, and it was more so about, what was it about? It was more so about like fixing your relationship. Um, you know, if you're fixing your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, your relationship with the creation should be fixing automatically itself. It's like when you become more practicing as a Muslim, don't become more SHIT as a human. It's like your adab, your manner, your akhlaq should be improving with your iman and with your knowledge. But sadly, we see a lot of people nowadays, the more religious they get, the more judgmental they get, the more rude they get, the more proud they get. And it's like, once again, you're taking the medicine, you're, you're, you're learning and you're taking the medicine, but you're applying it in a completely wrong way. And so, yeah, he was talking about all that kind of stuff and also like our relationship with our family. It's like you could be doing the world outside of your home, but if you are an absolute bitter mouthful at home, it's like, what are you doing? The people at home and your family is, is the people that you should be serving and, and fulfilling their rights for. You know, every single, you know, type of relationship in your life has rights. The, your neighbor has rights over you. Your friends have rights over you. Your community has rights over you. And above it all, your family and then your father and then your mother have extremely, extremely, extremely um, large rights up over you. And so you need to focus on fulfilling them first before anyone and anything else. 
um, the Prophet وسلم, said, the best of you are those who are best to your family. And he said, I am the best to my family. And, and it's really interesting to see because like usually nowadays, when you look at famous people or um, people who are in high powerful positions, to the world, everyone is in absolute awe of them. People love them. People are always trying to be friends with them. People are always trying to spend time with them. And then you find that these same people the world is chasing, their family is sick of them. Their family doesn't like them. Their family is, is, is their heads are their head, they're over their heads in, in dealing with them. And it's like the more famous someone gets, the more um, in power someone gets, the more the people around, um, the people closest to them dislike them. And that is not a sign of a righteous person. The Prophet wasallam. He was loved by everyone. He was even trusted by his enemies. His enemies, as they were abusing him, as they were disbelieving in him, as they were about to drive him out of Mecca, they still they still entrusted their wealth and their possession with the Prophet That's his character. That's how truthful he was to the people. And it's this part of the seerah is absolutely mind-boggling to me. <clears throat> Excuse me. Because the Prophet ﷺ, just as he is about to escape Mecca and migrate to Medina, he's planning all of this stuff and he's planning his escape. And he's also planning Ali to stay in his bed and to stay back so Ali can return the wealth of the Quraysh back to them. So the money and the treasures and everything that the disbelievers, the people that are literally waiting outside the Prophet ﷺ's house to kill him, those same people entrusted the Prophet ﷺ with their wealth and with their money. And the Prophet ﷺ, if you think about it, like honestly, if I was there and if you think about it logically, he had every right to take that, take that wealth. That wealth would have been used against the Muslims. That wealth would have been, you know, used to um, uh, support their armies and their missions to try and go against the Muslims. They're literally running out the Muslims and, and, and uh, what's it called? Running out the Prophet and trying to kill him. So this wealth, they're not going to be using it in support of the Muslims. They're not going to be using it to feed the orphans. The Prophet could have easily been like, okay, they're trying to kill me. I'm going to give this money away to charity. I'm going to take this money and use it for the power of the Muslims. But he was that truthful and they knew how truthful he was. That they, the Prophet ﷺ, even though he is migrating to Medina because his own people are running him out, he still made sure that there was someone left behind to return back their trust, to return back the amanah that they had with the Prophet ﷺ. This is the character of a Muslim. Even the disbelievers, they loved, not, I don't know, love, love is, you know, some of them did love, but they, they still believed in the Prophet wasallam as, as a truthful person. Dis, 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 like, take away all the wars that they had against each other. They still believed and, and, and attested to his character. And subhanAllah, this is the character of a Muslim. We should be trying to strive to be like the Prophet wasallam. And subhanAllah, uh, I digress, but it's like it went back to, you know, having that proper character. Aisha radiallahu an, she described the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam as the walking Qur'an. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam didn't just teach and he didn't just memorize and he didn't just convey the message of um, the Qur'an and the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He truly embodied them.
So it's like if you're memorizing all these surahs and if you're memorizing all these ayats and hadith, but if you're not acting upon them, what are you lacking? Your heart is lacking yaqeen. If you truly believed, for example, like take example riba, there could be two people that have memorized and that know that taking riba is like waging a war against the Prophet Muhammad and Allah. People know this. Both say person A and B, both of them know this. But person A is proudly engaging in it. It's like if you know this, how come you're doing this so proudly? It's because this person lacks the yaqeen, that, that certainty that they will meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they will be standing with it, like for example, like with a spear, like in war. If the Prophet and Allah is at, at war with you, <laughs> what hope do you have? But for example, that's that's a large scale. But for us nowadays, we we have so many of these um, examples that we're not applying to our life. For example, I talk about hijab because you know I speak to a lot of sisters. If you know that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is displeased with you with what you're wearing and with what you're doing, where 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 are we at? I know it's hard and I know it's a struggle, but it's like when you go to pray and you say Allahu Akbar more than thirty times a day in your prayer. In just the minimum, the fard prayers, more than 30 times you are saying Allahu Akbar, Allah is greater. Yet, as soon as you get off the prayer mat, society is greater and Allah is not greater. Astaghfirullah. You're putting like society's needs over Allah. Like for example, you're walking out and you're caring about what a low life on the street or what some followers or what some random people that you're never going to see again. You care about what they think of how you look more than you care about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and how he is pleased or displeased with you it's like where are we putting our priorities in this life and just don't take these two examples take this mindset and take this thinking process and apply it to everything else and once again I'm trying to think trying to go on the top of my head I was on a roll for a second but then I just get these random mind blanks and I don't want to edit these podcasts I just want to um, let it be and you guys can see the waffling and um, not just because that but because I'm also lazy so I just want to do everything in one take anyways so he was also talking about having a relationship with our family once again yeah and also like giving for example this is more for the parents or more for the older siblings and people who are higher in wherever they are at home it's like give attention and give love to these kids these kids and these attention like our parents nowadays, they're just on their phones. They're just watching They're just watching TV shows, and they're barely giving a time of day to these kids. If you're not giving dawah and if you're not engaging and spending time with your kids, what are you expecting them uh, by doing on their phone? Like 99% of the time, they're on their phone. You think they're doing tasbih? You think they're doing tasbih and Allahu Akbar, Subhanallah, just on their phone at 11 p.m., 12 a.m. at night? The phone is the biggest, the biggest, the biggest enemy towards your kids. Don't, you know, you, you could teach them ethics and morals and values that would give them the tools to prevent them from being manipulated and so, so, you know, so taken away by all these trends and all these things in society. If you truly spent time with your kids, they wouldn't be so susceptible to other people and the, and the wolves of this dunya. For example, like parents and especially fathers, they're not giving, like this is what I find in the youth nowadays, now that I'm engaging more with the youth, um, not specifically anywhere, but if a father gave his love and his attention to a child, would that girl go and try and seek it so desperately elsewhere? 
like nowadays girls as soon as a guy is like oh my god mashallah you're so pretty they're like khalas that's it. it's the end of the world they, they feel love and affection for the first time there's a reason as to why girls are so desperate nowadays and i say this with all love and respect and i say it with like just we can we can wake up like we're so desperate for male attention why because there's like there's that lack you know, if a father spends time with his daughter and teaches a daughter what the values of a man should be, what they should ex expect, where their standards should be, they wouldn't stoop so low as we see nowadays. Nowadays, any girl in high school, as soon as a guy messages them and says, yeah, I want to marry you, I want to make a halal, blah, 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 they wouldn't be so, oh my God, that's such a hard word, su susceptible to it. But it's, it's subhanAllah, it's, it's, it all starts within the home. And it all starts within like having a relationship with your children. Don't just think, you know, if you're at home and you're providing and that's enough. Don't just think if you send your kids to an Islamic school, that's enough. Or Quran class once a week. The tarbiyah and the adab and the education is all at home. If everyone at home is neglecting, what, what hope do we have for the next generation? And this is something that really, really inspired me to get into the da'wah. Because I was sitting in a class... And the sheikh was talking about the next generation and education and how we lack it and all that kind of stuff. And what he said really, really struck with me. He said, what if, what deen and what Islam would our kids have if we only passed down what we know? And at the time, I still don't know a lot, but at the time I knew very little. And I'm like, damn, you know, if I'm going to be raising the next generation what islam am i going to give them like it's our responsibility and i'm going to bring it back to the topic that was talked about today about recognizing the favor of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon us and he was talking about like what deen would our kids have if it's only what we pass down and i'm like i've got nothing i, I know nothing and subhanallah it's like our kids or our the future generation they could be practicing islam as they know to a max and it wouldn't even be Islam anymore. Like the way the hijab, for example, I bring it back to hijab. The way the hijab has been, you know, the standard of it is so far from actual hijab. And it's something that we're all working on, yes. But the standard itself is so far, it's so far down. So our kids will be, to them, in their mind, they're wearing proper hijab. But it's not even hijab. The salah, people are like, oh wow, like it's, 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 people are extreme. And they're extremely practicing if they're only Pray the five daily prayers. People are extremely practicing and they're, they're admirable to the people if they read Quran once a week. People are admirable if they go to one or two classes a week or if they go to the masjid once a week. And to like, subhanAllah, that's, that's less than the bare minimum that we, should be, that we should be doing. And it's like our kids, they'll be practicing to a max and it won't even be Islam. So what does that say about us? What does that say about the duty? Have we even fulfilled anything? And subhanAllah, that, 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 that talk and what he said was the thing that really kick-started me to get my knowledge going. Even if you're not going to have kids, even if you don't have kids, or even, you know, just, just do something about it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that Islam will spread to all corners of the world. And Islam, the deen is going to thrive and survive. But the thing is, will you be a part of it? Will you be for it or will you be one of the reasons that it was diluted? And subhanAllah, that's, once again, I digress, but it all comes back to that. It's like we need to, excuse me, we need to be the, be the, be the light. We need to, we need to reignite it. And I really, really, really have hope in this 
my current generation, not to brag, and the next generation, because I don't know, I feel like we have received Islam in such a cultural way, or at least the people I know around me, and and people that find it, they're they're more engaged and they're more they're they're more encouraged to hold on to it because they know how bad it is out there and how how much the world is trying to go against us. And I sort of talked about this topic on how um what's it called like people um in the West they're always like yeah I want to go back to a Muslim country it's so bad here blah 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 and then you go back to a Muslim country and the Muslims there they're so far from Islam despite their surroundings. You know, they hear, you know, we are, we're always like, yeah, I want to hear the Adhan every day. People there hear the Adhan every day and completely ignore it. But the kids here and the people here, they they set alarms on their phones. They they put notifications on their apps to hear the Adhan so they can go to prayer. It's it's different. It's like, I feel like this environment is is um, making us hold on to it more, making us hold on to the deen more. And remember that wherever you are, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed you in that position. It's not a coincidence that you're there. He's placed you in that position and he's giving you all the tools and the means for you to thrive Islamically and for you to learn more about Islam and to spread Islam. And he's provided you all the means and every single one of us is unique. Maybe I waffle on a podcast and that's my way of spreading the deen. But for example, I was at university once and there was this girl that was doing calligraphy on um, the grass. And so this non-Muslim, her friend was like, oh my God, what is that? And she was like, oh, this is um, the Arabic letters. I'm writing a surah of the, a chapter of the Quran. Um, and the girl was like, oh my God, that is really pretty. She was like, oh, here, do you want it? She was like, yeah. She was like, okay, just be careful because, you know, it's the words of Allah, so hang it up somewhere high. She's like, oh my God, I love this. And so she took it. And then she was like, oh, okay, so this is a chapter of the Quran. She went and she looked for this chapter. And she read this chapter. I can't remember what it was. And she read this chapter. And then she read the Quran. And then she became Muslim. Like, subhanAllah, her, this girl's artistic ability was the way she called to Islam. And someone converted because of that. So it's like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us all a unique way. We just have to find it. Like, for example, look at the um, personalities of the Sahaba. The Prophet wasallam saw them for who they were. And when they converted to Islam, Islam didn't um, stop them and make them all one in, in identity and personality. Islam came, it, it emphasized on the good. It washed away the bad and it blossomed them into these amazing sahabas that we look up to. For example, he wouldn't put someone who was strategic in war planning, in, in farming and agriculture, and he wouldn't put someone who was shy and, and good in knowledge spreading and teaching and learning in, to, to lead an army. The Prophet ﷺ recognized all of their characters and, and put them in those positions where they are most suitable to thrive and to, and to serve Islam in the best way. And that's why learning about the sunnah and learning about how the how the seerah and how the, how Islam spread is so important because you recognize these stuff. It's like, whoa, the Prophet ﷺ allocated this person to here and that person to there. You must have recognized their uniqueness and used that for Islam. Let me find my u- uniqueness and let me see what I can do for Islam. So it's like recognize that. And this lecture today started off with recognizing the favor of Allah. And he said that we need to work on our relationship with Allah as well as our relationship with the creation. And he mentioned a story. He said this scholar, this student went to his scholar and he was like, how come people know the value of the Quran, but they see it, but they don't, you know, they don't act upon it or they're not like dumbfounded by it and they're not appreciative of it. And so the scholar gave the student a stone and he was like, go, um, go, Try and sell this to people. Just get an offer for them, from them, but don't sell them. 
So the man, he went to a kid and the kid was like, how much, um, the, the, the guy was like, the student was like to the kid, how much would you pay me for this stone? And the kid was like, I don't know, like $5. And so he went to a carpenter. The carpenter, he was like to the carpenter, how much would you pay for this stone? The carpenter was like, I will take $5 from you because I am taking your rubbish and I am doing you a favor. And so the man went to a jewelry shop and he said, how much would you pay me for this stone? The man took the stone, stone, he looked at it, then he went to the back, he looked at it with his magnifying glasses, and then he made a couple calls, and then he came back, and he came back with two bodyguards, and he gave, and he said, that he gave the stone back to the person, and he was like, where'd you get this from? He's like, ah, oh, I just got it from someone, but I'm not here to sell it, I just want an offer. The, the jewelry shop owner was like, I can't give you an offer right now, because that's so grand, and I need more eyes to look at it, but it's in the millions, and I can't let you leave, leave here without these two bodyguards because people will try and take it from you. And it's like only the one who recognized the value of the stone recognized how like how how vast it is. Every single person saw the saw the stone, but only the one who recognized the value and provided you with like only then once you saw the sorry, only then once you saw the person who recognized the value and being provided with two protectors, only then you realize the value. So you had this stone this whole time. You took it to three different people, and only the one who recognized it truly appreciated its value. And so that, he brought it back to the example. It's like, just like that, only those who recognize the Qur'an and Allah and His Messenger are only the ones who truly see its value. It's like you have this, we have this with us, but how many of us don't recognize its value? Like, guys, the Qur'an is the miracle that we have. When I was a kid, I used to always ask my not ask myself, I used to ask around, and all I got was, you know, that's from the shaitan, be quiet. <laughs> Anyways, that's a, that's a topic for a whole other story. But it's like I was always asking, how come all these other prophets and all these other nations before us, they got to see miracles, and I don't see any miracle, and I'm told to believe? It's like, for example, whether you believed or not, you would have seen Musa alayhi salam split the sea. And everyone got to see that. And whether you believed or not, you would have seen Isa alayhi salam, Jesus peace be upon him, bring back people from the dead. You would have seen him heal the blind. So all these people got to witness these miracles and then they believed. Mind you, there were still people who witnessed these miracles and didn't believe. And I was also like, how come these people, they got, they got miracles to affirm them, to affirm their hearts and to affirm their belief. Where's mine? And then subhanAllah, guys, the Quran is our miracle. But the only difference is the miracle is not free anymore. For example, whether you believed or you didn't believe, you still saw the miracle of Musa alayhi salam splitting the sea. Whether you believed or didn't believe, you still saw the, the, the dead rise and become living again. But subhanAllah, now the Qur'an is our miracle. It is literally the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. هذا كلام الله. That's what you should say every single time you open the Qur'an. Like this is the words of Allah. This is our miracle. But the thing is, the miracle is not free anymore. You have to attentively pay attention and ponder and reflect and read. The miracles, the miracles before were a miracle for the eyes. But now the miracle of the Qur'an is a miracle for the mind and for the ears. You have to listen to it. You have to, you have to read it. It's a miracle for the, for, the, for the mind. And it penetrates the heart. And it's, we, we have this in us. Like we have this stone. But how many of us truly, truly, truly value it and see it for the diamond that it, that it really is?
and and that's that's where the that's where it sort of started off and it's like one of the duties that we have is to understand the Quran so at least at the very least we can acknowledge the favor of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it's like there are so many activities that we could be doing in our day but we don't even appreciate it because we don't understand we don't even think about it for example the two sunnah units before the fajr salah is better than the world and what it contains this whole world and what it contains if you win the lottery and you get twenty thousand dollars you get all g'd up and excited but mate Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the prophet sallallahu alayhi is telling us it's better than this whole world and what it contains but we're so heedless and we're so careless about it it's like if we truly truly valued then we would act upon all of this stuff we would at least try we would at least try to be better, try to implement more actions in our life and more and slowly, slowly, day by day, no two days should be the same. You should always, always be striving to be better yourself and better yourself for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And for example, to like understand the Quran, this is something I'm struggling with myself as well. Because I'm not gonna lie, when it comes to Ramadan and it comes to Taraweeh prayers and I'm standing in salah and everyone is crying around me and I'm just like standing there like what are they crying about I'm like wiping some fake tears just so I can feel included because everyone is understanding the Quran they get to understand so look at the look at the taste and look at the sweetness that they get I'm so jealous and every single one of us should be at least trying just try to understand the Quran and everything is so accessible nowadays but we don't make any effort that's the difference it's literally not even a click away, like you tap on your phone. It's so, so easy, but we're so effort. When it comes to, oh no, you know, subscribing to a class or learning something online is, is, is too much money, but I'll happily waste $50 out on food every week, or I'll happily waste, you know, um, 15 bucks a month on my Netflix subscription. If you truly, truly made the intention that, Ya Allah, I want to understand the Quran, I want to, I want to understand your deen, help me, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will provide a way. 99% of the times we have a thousand ways in front of us, but there's no effort. <laughs> we don't put any effort into understand. And so the Quran, to, to, to understand it, we don't even make an effort to recognize the Quran, to, to recognize the, that it's not a stone, it's a diamond. It's not a stone, it's the diamond. So understanding its, its words and understanding its meanings helps us recognize its value. And subhanAllah, it's a shame on us if we do not try to at least understand the Quran. Okay, say, you know, learning Arabic is a, is a long journey. How many of us recite Surah Al-Fatiha every single day? But how many of us have spent a solid three hours trying to understand it? All these surahs that we learned as a kid, Surah Al-Ikhlas, Surah Al-Nas, Surah Al-Falaq, Surah Al-Kawthar, Surah Al-Duha. How many of us actually truly listen down, sit down and listen to a lecture on, the, on its tafsir, read a book on its tafsir? They've done the job for us. They're literally taking it word by word in Arabic and explaining it in, for hours in English for us. For those people that don't understand Arabic. How much resources out there? How much books are out there? How many translations out there? Seriously, what is our excuse? What is your excuse? And always think progress, not, uh, not, perfection, uh, not perfection. Two steps forward is better than one... Uh, two steps forward and one step back is better than backward steps or no steps at all you're still going a step forward it's okay if you go back it's okay if some days you can't do as much as the other but as long as you're constantly going forward and you have a goal what is your goal look at yourself in the past two months what have you what have you um what have you what have you increased in how many eyes have how many tafs how many surahs have you learned the meaning of 
you know, how many lectures um, or what, where are you up to in the seerah of the Prophet How many of us have this stone? And we just see it as rubbish and we just see it as stone because if we truly saw it as a diamond, we would be treating it as a diamond. We would be trying and trying and trying to understand it more and trying to embody all of this stuff that we have. Islam is the biggest blessing and Islam is the greatest gift. But how many of us actually recognize that and how many of us actually see it? Speak to any river and, and see how saved they feel, how they feel that Allah has picked me. Allah chose me to give me Islam. And how many of us have the Islam and it's just sitting in the back, it's just back shelf of our, of our rooms? Subhanallah. And the favor of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not only the Quran, but it's also the life of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. The way it's been documented and the way it's it's so so full and, and handed to us on a silver platter is, is just is just amazing. Like look at any single person on this earth. Has any single person been documented and has their seerah and their legacy been preserved just as much as the Prophet has? <laughs> I highly doubt it. Like everything is documented for us. We have access to everything. But subhanAllah. For example, like if you if you truly love the Prophet وسلم, you'd be trying to, to, to be like him. You'd be trying to like have the same day to day day to day as him. You'd be you know, how did he wake up? What did he do? What did he say? Where did he go? What did he spend his time in? What did he love? What did he hate? If you truly love a person, you were trying to follow them like that. For example, take any famous footballer or basketballer. Like when the fans love him, they look up to him. If he shaves his head and gets a zigzag on the side and a nice fade, his fans will copy straight away. They wear shirts with their, with their, names, on, with their names on his back. They pay millions for something that is signed by him. They try and do what he does and they try and like what he likes and they try to, you know, they're off what he's off and, you know, they just get obsessive and they try and follow him and they try and, you know, they'd be dying to meet him just for the sake of, you know, like, because they're idle, they look up to him. But then when it comes to the Prophet wasallam, what are we doing? The Prophet ﷺ didn't say, put my name on, on, on the back of your shirt. He said, be that type of person that when someone looks at you, they see Islam. They see that you're a Muslim. They see that you're a follower of mine. They see that you're part of my ummah. And be a proud follower of Muhammad ﷺ. Do not be ashamed to show your Islamic identity. It's, I think this is something that a lot of, a lot of, a lot of us struggle with. It's like we're so... You know, oh, this is not cool. Islam is not cool. I'm not going to fit in if I do this. But I've said this before. It's like, as a Muslim, you'll never fit in. You'll never be normal. It, it, like, we'll, this, the religion, you know, we begin as strange and it, will, and it will end as strange as well. And so the Prophet ﷺ said so glad tidings to the strangers. He gave glad tidings to us as strangers because he knew we wouldn't fit in to the, to the filth that's happening in society. Nowadays, the norm is to support all kinds of gay movements. The norm nowadays is to pick your own gender. And if you say anything against it, you're disgusting, you're hatred, you're full of hatred, you're extremist. You don't love. You know, love is love. If you don't, if you don't agree with that, then, then you're, just, you're, just, you're just messed up. That's exactly what they say. The norm now, how many people are like in relationships and they're going back and forth in relationships and sleeping around? That's the normal now. If you don't do that or if you choose to not sleep around up until wait till marriage, you're like, whoa. They look at you like you're some weird person. It's like, are you serious? The norm now is to go out drinking. And if you don't drink, it's like, wow, this is a really, really strange person. It's the norm now. It's like, just look at the dress code that's going out there. The dress code is literally non-existing. 
it's it's to have a skin like skin tight anything that's if you're covered but nowadays it's like go you know wear whatever you want free the things <laughs> that's what they're pushing nowadays and if you don't want to it's like oh my god you should be oppressed like if you're not showing cleavage to them you're oppressed if you're not wearing a mini skirt they're like wow she's so oppressed <laughs> that's what they think that's what they see nowadays this is the normal you think you'll fit in and do you think you need to fit in you have islam and trust me trust me trust me for example myself like i have been in the same say surroundings and say situation been been as a as a practicing muslim as a non-practicing muslim for it was really really hard for me to say hold on to my hijab to hold on to my muslim identity to not be ashamed to say sorry i can't shake your hand sorry that has pork in it sorry i don't drink sorry i don't come to a party it was really hard for me to say all of this stuff when i didn't know my faith when i didn't study islam when i didn't know who allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was it's really hard to hold on to your islamic values if you don't understand islam <laughs> literally that's it for example, it's like as I'm, as I'm at Dawah stores and people come up to me and they ask me about the hijab, they're like, why do you guys wear it? I don't say, you know, it's for our modesty, it's for our protection, it's so you can, you know, look at me and talk to me as who I am and not for what I'm showing. Like, yeah, all that is important. But is that the reason that we do it? The reason that we do it is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us. So I, I bring it back to the, the, to the existence of God. It's like if you believe that there is a God out there that created the heavens and the earth and everything that you see around us, you believe in him. And you know, if they say yes, we move on. And we believe that God is one and that God is worthy of worship. So that rules out the other religions and you know, sort of, sort of some of them. It's like that God is worthy of worship. And it's like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. You know, if, for example, it's like if you buy a bike. Oh, wait, I'll get to that next. Uh, I stepped ahead of myself. One second. It's, I'm doing like go rap in my head. Um, so, and then that God that is one and that is worthy of worship. Do you think that he created all of us and just left us to be? Or do you think that he sent some sort of guide, some sort of thing to live by? For example, like you get a bike and that bike comes with a with instructions and with a manual is our life are we not more purposeful than a bike the bike comes with something to, to 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 teach you how to use it the bike comes with some sort of guide are we not more important than a bike yes of course we are so the allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this god that is worthy of worship and that is one he sent us with this revelation with this guidance to live by and for example if someone goes to you know show show some sort of amazing um invention there's that there's some sort of ambassador that knows how to work it the one that made it knows how to um the one that you know truly understands it knows how to work it knows how to apply it you know not only were we sent this guide we were also sent an ambassador and that is the prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam so we have all of this stuff and so i bring it back to the you know when they ask me about hijab it's like if i have a lord that loves me and that created me and you and everything around us and he knows what's best for me and he tells me to worship him that's why I put the hijab on. And if I didn't have that yaqeen and that certainty in Allah, and I didn't have that knowledge and love for Islam, the hijab is like sort of meaningless. Like for example, what kind of sane person covers themselves on a 50 degree day? It's logically more smarter to go outside without hijab, no? But despite the heat, despite the, the, the way society is trying to rip it off us, we do it because we're doing it for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's just one act. 
that that gives you like that's just one example that I'm using where if you have the knowledge you have the confidence to be a Muslim and now when I wear the hijab and I'm walking and people aren't wearing the hijab and they're giving me stares in my head I'm like you know what they're so jealous I bet you they all want to wear hijab I bet you they all wish they, they could ask me about Islam I bet you they all wish that they could be Muslims because it's so beautiful that's how I feel now and because it's so beautiful to me not because it's it's you know it's a nice material and it's a cute color but because i'm doing it for allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that puts so much value in in me wearing it when i'm stepping out every single day and so it all comes back to knowing allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that gives value in your worship that 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 give, keeps you strong and for example as i said it's like if you know the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and you would truly, truly want to be like this man. Wallahi, if you learn about him, you have no choice but to love him. When you see the way he dealt with people, when you see the way he he dealt with the whole entire nation and, and the way he just thought and the way he just acted, you just long to meet this man. And if you long to meet this man, you try and do everything like him. You love what he loves and he hates what he hates. And it just makes your way, you know, it just makes it easier to stay upon that Sirat al-Mustaqeen. It makes it easier to stay upon the path to Jannah. You know, subhanAllah, it's, it, it comes all back down to knowing. And, and step, always, as I said, step forward. Think, think progress. Go forward. Never go backwards. For example, don't hear this and be like, oh, okay, I don't really know my deen um, and I'm wearing hijab. So I'm going to take the hijab off and once I learn about my deen, then I'm going to put it back on. No, man, you're already like, uh, you're already an advantage in some sense. Work on the work on the flaws that you have. For example, some people ask, is is a halal to fast? Um, if if I'm not praying, so if it's haram, you're gonna stop both of them. Why don't you pick up the prayer and and why don't you keep on fasting and also pick up on the prayer? Some people are like, oh, you know, is is it okay to go to Hajj with haram money? And they don't go to Hajj. My my dude, leave the haram job, <laughs> leave the haram money, find a halal income, and then go to Hajj. But people, they, they cancel out the thing that they can't do just to make themselves feel less guilty. So always move forward. Always move forward and always try to be better. We should, like, no matter where you are in this life, you should always try and be better. You're never ever going to, you're never ever going to reach that, that state of perfection. And, and subhanAllah, it's, it's, some people think that's discouraging. It's like, oh, I'm going to try so much, so much, so much, and I'm not even going to get anywhere. Like, there's no end point. But my dudes, do you not realize that you get rewarded for the journey, within the journey and for your efforts, not the result? If you're trying every single day, for example, right now, if you decide to leave whatever you're leaving and you make that intention, Ya Allah, I'm going to try and get close to you. And, and, and God forbid that you die straight away. Like Maybe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to reward you based off the intention that you had because he knew what you were planning to do. It's, it's all about your intention and once again it all comes back to effort like subhanallah it's be proud of your islamic identity it's your diamond and and you walking with islam and with everything it has and embodying it others might see it as worthless or make fun of you like haha look at this guy he's got two bodyguards for just a, for just a stone little do they know it's a diamond little do, do they know it's it's your lifeline and it's what's keeping you up to them, this, this to them is just a stone, but to you, it's a diamond. Islam is the diamond. The Sunnah of the Prophet is the diamond. The Quran is the diamond. So just always try and be bettering yourself. And as you're going on this journey, listen closely. As you're going on this journey, don't be judgmental to others that are not there yet. Don't you? Don't be judgmental to others that are still trying. As I said at the beginning, if you're trying to become a better Muslim, don't be a 
S-H-I tier human. <laughs> like, subhanAllah, you don't know what some people are going through. And they could have a part of the diamond and you don't even know it. So it's like always, always, always be kind. Like kindness goes hand in hand with Islam. Being gentle. You know, we're supposed to be ambassadors on this earth for this Islam. So, and if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses you to guide one person, that reward is more than anything in this world has to offer. And, and it's really beautiful, yeah? You know, like if you, if you do something good and someone else is inspired or influenced by your good, you get rewarded for the good that they do forever, forever, forever. So even, you know, as more people get influenced by this person, by this person, by this person, it's like an endless, endless chain of good deeds. Yeah, how amazing is that? But how many of us look at the other side of it? What if you do something bad and someone is influenced by that? You, not only do you get your sin, but you also get their sin and the sin of that person and the sin of that person and so on and so on. The latter is also true, but we sort of forget it. We sort of think it's just me, myself and I. Who are you to judge me? Let me do what I want. Do what you want. No one's saying you have to be perfect and, 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 and we're all struggling. Not, not a single one of us is struggling. We're all doing something that we're seeking forgiveness for. We're all doing something, but at least at least recognize what you're doing is wrong and do not encourage it anything that you share or anything that you do in public is encouraging it the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said that all of my ummah will be forgiven except for those who sin uh, publicly this is the man that's that that's, that's crying for his ummah on the day of judgment but he's also telling us that if you sin publicly and if you do not enjoin the good and forbid the bad and if you forbid the good and enjoin the and if you enjoin the bad, then you're the ones that will not be forgiven because you're you're actively, you know, putting it out there, passively and actively. Even if you're not going out there calling people to it, but you doing it and being of influence to the people around you, you're gonna get their rewards and you're gonna deprive yourself from the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So help yourself and help your others and recognize that we're all on the same boat trying to get to Jannah. We're all trying to get to Jannah, we're all trying to better ourselves. And effort and kindness go hand in hand. You know, look at this deen. This deen came to us on a silver platter. Did we even have to try? Did we, Like, for example, for those born Muslims, did we even have to try to find Islam and to practice Islam? Growing up in houses that, 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 that taught us how to pray or that told us how to pray. And we see that as nagging as a burden. Mind you, someone is telling us, hey, go respond to your call of Allah. You're like, oh, leave me alone. SubhanAllah, we didn't have to try for this deen. But look at what the people before us did to get this deen to us. People, the Sahaba, sacrificed their life. They sacrificed their life for la ilaha illallah. They went to battles to try and to try and protect and preserve Islam. They didn't, they didn't compromise. That's the, that's the difference between them and I. They did not compromise. Literally, like throughout anything, they did not compromise. But look at us. We're going around. All my, all my days, look at Saudi celebrating Halloween. If that, like no one is even forcing them. They're literally, oh my day, like, oh my God. Stuff like that mind boggles me. And that shows us where the state of our ummah is. And don't look at that and be like, look at these people celebrating Halloween. As if you're far from it. How many times a day do you compromise? <laughs> it's, it's, I, whenever we see and hear examples, I, I don't like it when people... As I said, they, they get this ego. They think that, oh, look at all these people. They're bad. I'm great. That could be you tomorrow. The Prophet ﷺ, he was a man that had his previous and future sins forgiven. He was a man that was promised Jannah. Yet he used to cry the nights, seeking 
forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and asking him for his guidance. And Aisha radiallahu anh asked him, it's like, are you not free of sin? Are you not like promised Jannah? Why do you keep seeking forgiveness? And the Prophet wasallam said, should I not be a grateful servant? This is the man that we should follow. But look at everyone compromising on their deen. Oh, it's only um, it's only Christmas. Merry Christmas. Let me. What's wrong with me just saying that? Why are you guys so backwards and extreme? What is merry about a about a celebration that says that the Son of God was crucified and that God was crucified and died for our sins? Say merry that. Say merry and that whole sentence. Is it merry anymore? It's not. It's literally going against our religion. Can't you just say happy holidays? Why are we so weak? We're so weak because we don't know about Islam. We don't know how to how to how to how to conversate and how to convey in 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 a way that's not offensive. Like you know, to you your religion, to me mine. But we're like, oh my god, it's so cute when they say Eid Mubarak. It's like, okay, cool, let them. Does that mean you have to? <laughs> the gay people, if they start fasting with with us, does that mean we go supporting them? No. You stand your ground and you be proud of yourself standing your ground. And it's like people sacrifice their life for this deen, for this deen to reach, reach you and I. How many of the Sahaba do we know that died and they did not give up? Oh my days, when I think, when, when, I'm, when I need to pick me up, when I need to boost me up, when I'm just feeling down, I put on a lecture of Bilal radiallahu anh. Bilal was uh, an Abyssinian, was in Abyssinian, I'm not sure. He was a black slave. He was the lowest of society before Islam. Literally, he was a slave. And as soon as he accepted Islam as a slave, his owner tortured him. His owner put him in the middle of the desert and put hot rocks on him and, and just tortured him and hit him and abused him in so many ways. Why? Just because he believed in La ilaha illallah. They were, they were telling him, say your, say your God is Lat and say your God is uh, Lat al Uzza. And he wouldn't. All he would say is, Ahadun Ahad. Ahadun Ahad. That's all Bilal would say as he was being tortured. And then the Prophet said, Is there not anyone that can free this free Bilal? And Abu Bakr went and freed him. And and he asked his owner, he was like, How much can I can I can I pay can I buy him for? And I can't remember the exact amount, but the owner was like ten dirhams. And so Abu Bakr and he went back and he got him ten dirhams and he bought him. And the owner was like, lol, I was like playing with you. If you wanted, for, if you hassled with me and you, if you asked for one, I would have given it to you for free. And Abu, like, it's, 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 it's this black slave. Like, what kind of worth do you see in him? But he was a Muslim and Abu Bakr was a Muslim. And Abu Bakr radiallahu anh said that even if you asked me for a hundred, I would have found a way to get him. Because it's Bilal, because he's a fellow Muslim. And when they asked Bilal, they were like, why was that all that you were saying? Like, as you were being tortured, why was the only thing you were saying, Ahadun Ahad? And he said, that's all I knew. And I was like, subhanAllah. All Bilal knew was, was, was that Allah is one. All he knew was, ashadu la ilaha illallah Muhammad rasulullah That's all he knew about Islam. And he was, he, all, that was enough. That was sufficient enough for him to, to stand through that torture and, and to withhold that for the sake of Islam and for the sake of his Islam. How much more do we know? Do we not know more than Ashadu la ilaha illallah, Ashadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah? Look at the way he valued that and look at the way we value our Islam. Be proud of your Islamic identity. And to be proud, you have to know, you have to learn, you have to put that effort in. And it starts small. Don't get off and don't get off and don't finish listening to this and be like, okay, I'm gonna change my life, I'm gonna do X, Y, and Z. Full steam ahead. La, relax. You know what? That's actually from the shaitan. 
Shaitan is telling you, hey, go, 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 increasing your active ibadah a lot. Because he knows that it's not sustainable. He knows that you're going to do a lot and then just drop off straight away. The Prophet said that the most beloved deeds to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are those that are consistent, even if they are small, more than the big one-off ones. SubhanAllah, if you look at the life and the sayings of the Prophet there's advice for every aspect of our life. He, like, he وسلم, knows that, you know, if, if you go and you do so much, you're going to just slack off one day and say it's too much. Start slow and start consistent. Find something and start off with it. Once you excel in that, once you succeed in that, then add another thing. Add on to it and slowly, slowly, slowly go. It's a marathon, not a race. Set your intention high. Set your intention and your goals big and set your dream big and, and know where you want to be in 10 years, in 5 years, in 1 years. But also go slow. Take it day by day. And Islam will spread. And these people died to give us Islam. And we have it now. And will it stop at you? Will you be the people that dilute this deen and wash it out and not pass it on? Or will you be these people that will truly hold on to it? And you know, like you, you on judgment day, you'll be like, "Yeah, Allah, I tried, I tried, I, I didn't do much, and in my head, I didn't make that much of an impact." But wallah, like wallah, I tried every single day. That's that's all we need to meet Allah Subhanahu wa Taala with, with showing Him that we tried every single day, as opposed to meeting Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, and He's like, "I gave you this blessing, I gave you this deen. What did you do with it?" Oh, I just, you know, I was just Muslim, my name, hey, I took the name, my name was Muhammad, <laughs> I do, that's not enough, we, we need to, we need to seriously recognize that we have a diamond, we don't have a stone, and so what will you do, will you learn it to pass it on, and will you appreciate it, will you understand it, will you embody it, will you share it, will you share this favor of Allah, that, that, that is Islam, do your part inshallah, and, and, it's so beautiful because all we have to do is small, small steps because Islam is our gift. And as long as, as, as you're breathing, you, you have a chance to return to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is, every single breath is a new opportunity for you to be better. Every single day that you wake up is an opportunity for you to be better. The angel of death could be on your shoulder right now. You will, you, you're not promised to wake up tomorrow. You're not promised to wake up tomorrow. You could pass away any minute. Your loved one could pass away any minute. What have you done? Are you doing enough? Seriously, seriously, seriously. Are you doing enough? In the past day, in the past week, what have you truly done only for the sake of Allah? What is something that no one knows about, but is, it's an act of worship that you have done for the sake of Allah? Think about it. What have you done? I don't know, I was listening to this lecture, like, uh, this lecture like a year and a bit ago, and when I was asked this question, I just started bawling, and I'm like, I don't know, how sad is it that I can't put a, a finger on a single act that I've done for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not saying now that I'm perfect and I have something every single day, but it's like, how, like, uh, I'm, uh, it's, it's like, what are we doing, I can't think of something that I did for the sake of Allah, where, where does that leave me? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed me with Islam. If you have Islam, that is a sign of Allah, that, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loving you. He doesn't give Islam to everyone. We don't even make up, you know, 30% of the population. Like Muslims don't even make, make up 30% uh, of the population of the world. That other billions and billions and billions of people are out there, misguided, without Islam. And you have it. That means Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves you. As I said before, 
every single heartbeat seeks permission from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. At any point, the heartbeat seeks permission. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has the, has, he, he, he owns everything. He is the king of all kings. At any point, you know, it could be your last beat and you could pass away. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving permission for your heart to beat so you can come closer to him, so you can recognize him. And remember, I was listening, I was about to fall asleep the other day um, and I was just on my phone and this live of this imam came up and he started speaking and he just straight away he went into it. He was like, when you hear a hadith of the Prophet wasallam, recognize that 1400 years ago this was said, said, this was narrated and this was, you know, people wrote this down, and it was meant to, it was meant to get to you. You listening to it now, was 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 meant for you. Everything that you're hearing, everything that you're doing in your day to day life, has all been written. It's all been written before you were created. Everything is written, and so like you hearing a message, you hearing a reminder, was meant for you. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, you know, uh, actually, what's it called? Umar radiallahu an, he said, I don't fear my du'as not being accepted. I fear not being able to make that du'a. Because once Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't allow for you to come closer to him, you're doomed. You're gone. But right now you're hearing a message. You're hearing, you're hearing this reminder to go back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to learn. And, and I'm sorry, this puts you in a weird situation. But when judgment day comes, you can't say, I didn't know I wasn't reminded. Because <laughs> subhanAllah, this podcast will testify against you. <laughs> Sorry about that, but like now you got the message. You gotta act upon it now. You gotta you gotta recognize the value that you have. You gotta you gotta recognize the diamond that you have and you gotta put effort in. I have re- reached my destination. Um and inshallah this was of benefit. Please share your reflections with me, please share your thoughts on it. Be sure to like, comment and subscribe. Well, I never thought I'd be saying that, but hey, show some love to the podcast, inshallah. Send me what other topics that you want me to discuss, um, any people that you want me to bring on. We're still in the early stages, um, so, you know, we're, we're working on this together. So help me help you, inshallah. Um, and assalamu alaikum, jazakallah khairan for listening. I hope you have a beautiful day or night wherever you are. Assalamu alaikum.